Alrighty, welcome back to Beast Coast Radio. This is BCR number three. And I'm sorry to inform you guys, but the Bruins are just never going to play again. Per Ty Anderson, no more games for the Boston Bruins ever. Um, in reality, the Bruins have played one game compared to the Seattle Kraken, who have now played their fifth game of the season last night. And the Bruins actually have um, the same number of wins as them. It's interesting. Alrighty, yes. Uh, yes, we actually do have a game to talk about today, which is exciting. One whole game since I last spoke to you, all zero of you. Uh, we got the Bruins versus the Stars. That was exciting on Saturday night. Um, it was a very fun game. Defensive battle. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Tums. This episode of BCR is brought to you by Tums. Tums, remember to pack them in your backpack before you eat a one-day-old Chipotle bowl for lunch on campus. Tums, they will make your farts stink just a little less than when you put... <laughs> oh my god, on campus today. That was disgusting, what I did in that common area. Ugh. But, you know, if I had Tums on me, uh, I maybe wouldn't have farted so bad. Anywho, moving right along. Let's talk about the Bruins versus Stars. Overall, I'm just going to say my perception was good. The Bruins were fun to watch as always. And the team looked good. You know, this is a good Stars team. They were going up. Two points is two points. That's, that's going to be the motto for the season. Two points is two points because, you know, you get too cute. Last year, you know. We go on these runs where, you know, we're winning 50-50. You know, we're not looking as good until we sign Taylor Hall at the end of the year. Two points is two points. It's big. you got to string them together. All right. So let's look at some stats. Wait, hold on. Let me give you guys a little ASMR first. I'm sipping on a little, sipping on a little bean juice right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I bet you guys like that. All righty. So shots on goal. The Bruins had 40. The Stars, 28. Power plays was 0 for 3 for the Bruins and 0 for 6 for the Stars. Um, yeah, I'm probably going to talk about that a little later, but the power play the power play has to improve. Uh, I think they're still just getting used to playing with the right defenseman up top. You know, we moved Grizzly down to power play 2, moved Chucky into power play 1. But, um, yeah, moving straight ahead. Let's talk a little Chuckles because Chucky... Just signed that big nine and a half million dollar contract, and he got he he played like it. I thought he was really good. He had a couple penalties. One was shitty, closing the hand on the glove. But you know, aside from that, he had 24 minutes and 18 seconds of time on ice, and he had a couple good shots. He had that one one play. Uh, I think it might have been on the penalty kill. I'm not sure where um, he shot it from the red line, but the goalie's way out of position. It was pretty cool. Uh, I thought Chucky played really good lockdown defense, though. Um, always, as always, Chuckles is going to be one of those guys that's always just going to be in the forefront. And he's going to play a ton, and he's always going to look good. Alrighty, so let's jump into some offensive stats. Um, first of all, got to give a big shout-out. You know, I talked down in the first episode to our boy Jake DeBrusque. Jake DeBrusque, amazing game, buzzing all over the place. Um, even before the goal, uh, you know, I think in the at the end of the second period it was, he had like a semi breakaway where he like he just took one hand and still lifted the puck, almost got it over the glove. 
Um, that was like, you know, he, he was just buzzing around there all fucking game. And it was like, man, is this the old Jake DeBrus back? Uh, you gotta hope so. Um, two shots on goals. Uh, there was one was the goal and one was the breakaway. But besides that, he was also, you know, in the four check making plays. He also had two hits recorded, I believe. And then, um, and then his line mate, uh, Nick Felina also had three hits and had an assist on his goal along with their, uh, Eric Halla. Man, it was just fun seeing that third line buzz around there. You know, if I'm starting offensively in the third line, it's definitely a good thing because this this line was 5v5. I thought one of the most dominating presences out there. Um, you know, moving up to the first line, I thought 5v5, they weren't as dominant besides like that first shift where they were really all over them. Uh, besides that, they didn't have as many looks as, you know, this third line did. Uh, even like, you know... So, like, even looking at, like, advanced stats, I think, like, it really tells the picture with, like, expected goals. Like, expected goals is basically just um, for every shot on goal, it has a probability of going in. And in, I can fucking remember uh, my statistics class last semester. Um, for every probability, there's an expected value that you're going to get out of it. And you add those all up. So, you add up all 40 of the Bruins' expected values. And you get a total expected goals per game. And each player who has the shot has their own expected va- expected values. So you look at expected goals. Yeah, I know. I'm fucking, I'm fucking smart. I know this stuff. Uh, expected goals. Top five at 5v5 expected goals was Eric Halla, Jake DeBrusque, Mike Riley, Craig Smith, and Taylor Hall. Taylor Hall, I think, got a huge benefit from that first shot. That, that had a pretty good chance of going in, I thought. Right out the gate, he looked wicked fast entering the zone. Um, he's always going to be that guy, you know, coming through the neutral zone really streaky. Um, Taylor Hall, uh, he's just going to be a common factor, I think, you know, for the rest of the year. He looked really good, I thought, neutral zone play. I think there's still some blending that has to go on with that second line, but overall really looked good in my eyes. Um, you know, right off the gate, it was like a great pass from Coyle from his own zone and then came streaking in. Uh, from Clifton to Taylor Hall, it was good stuff all around. But yeah, if you look, if you look at these five v five expected goals, Craig Smith's always gonna be up there because he takes a million shots a game. Taylor Hall, that shows you that he was around the net. But then Hall and DeBrusque, it just tells you how like you know, DeBrusque had two shots on goal, and like of course one of them was a goal because he got it right in the slot. Five v five expected goals is a good stat to tell you how well a top uh, a line is performing in terms of you know, um. Just getting, like, quality chances because, like, you know, these expected goal probabilities are going to be higher in, like, you know, high-danger areas. Mike Riley, I don't even know how he got up there. Um, I think he just got a lot of shots from the point. I don't remember any specific chance that he had. Uh, I watched the highlights today. Watching the game, I was a little banged up. Had a couple brewskis, but, uh, you know, I, I was I was still in, I was still in the zone make, making little notes on the game. Writing down what I thought, I thought Pasternak, going back to the top line now, had a lot of high quality chances, and I was very, um, you know, proud of his gameplay. But he ended up getting an apple on, I think, the empty netter. But you know, he was right there, right around the crease. He almost scored right after Jake DeBrusque's goal on a great feed from Marshawn after picking it up in the corner. Um, that line's gonna be fine. Uh, you know, five v five. I didn't see much of Bergeron, but. He's always going to be that presence defensively, and it obviously worked out. Uh, speaking of defense, let's move on down. I already talked about Chuckles. 
But I thought Connor Clifton also had a really good game. Um, Cliffy was uh, was on the right side. He was buzzing up and down there. He's always going to have that offensive presence. I just think it's a little weird with him playing with Grizzlick right now on the third line. They're both offensively minded. We didn't get caught up at all this game. You know, they were great. I think um, I don't think they had a plus minus on them. I think it was the Carlo uh, Riley Perry and they gave up the goal. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, Clifton was a zero. And Grizzlick. Grizzlick was a minus one, so Grizzlick must have been out there then. Um, with Carlo at the time. Um, but yeah, that pairing's interesting, to say the least. Um I don't know. I think that's where it's going to be subbed around. I think I uh, I was listening to Ty Anderson and Matt Dolloff's podcast, and Ty Anderson seems to think that the uh, Carlo Riley pairing is going to be, you know, really prevalent. It's going to be kind of unmoving almost because, as we know, Carlo just he wants to be with a puck moving defenseman because Carlo isn't going to be that puck moving defenseman because he's a six foot five tree out there, you know. Um, but anyways, yeah, you know, one goal. The goal was, you know. Total defensive mindfuck. Um, yeah, you can take you can take a screenshot there, and see three guys on uh, one Dallas forward. It was Glenn Denning who scored, I think. Uh, let's see, I think it was Glenn Denning who scored for them. Uh, either way, it was a wide open shot from the slot. Uh, yeah, it was Glenn Denning, um, assisted by Caro. It was. Uh, it was a total defensive breakdown. I think it was late in the shift. I can't totally remember um, how late in the shift it was, but it was just uh, Craig Smith just bun just totally screwed a breakout pass to Taylor Hall, who's kind of cheating, you know, a little bit for the break, and you know just got picked off by the defense. And then all of a sudden, you just see Craig Smith just in no man's land in the corner after passing it and, and giving it away. You got Coyle who's like turning the wrong way. To, you know, overcommit to someone who Brandon Carlo is actually kind of in the right position to make the play. And, you know, all of a sudden you got three guys. He just slips it across and it's a two-on-one on Grizz. And, you know, Grizz takes the pass and it's a point-blank shot. Nothing Sway can do about that. But besides that, defensively we were sound. Um, moving on to goaltending. Uh, Sway, still undefeated. Swagman, still undefeated at home, sorry. Uh, actually, I'm not. Sorry, fuck you. Uh, still undefeated at home. Swagman, uh, I think if I want to get into what I think was his only lackluster quality that wasn't on par and can get better was his rebounds. And the goal wasn't even scored off a rebound by any means. It was just sometimes there was like pucks just floating around that made me think like you know it kind of jumbled me you know we had that one puck in the third period when the game was still tied that you know looked like he could have covered it said got popped up over his shoulder he had another couple towards the end where it was just you know bad rebound that comes straight out to the slot but then he made the save so you know that's one thing we got to look out for but as far as you know as far as we're all concerned a 964 save percentage in the game where they had a lot of high danger chances is really good. I mean, you look at the you look at the game and it's um the Bruins actually had less expected goals than the uh, Dallas Stars. Like if you look at the uh, money puck um, deserved to win o meter, which is based on these expected goals, the Dallas Stars were sixty to forty against the Bruins, and you know 
it's uh it's it's not really telling because you know this is in all situations and they had double the amount of power plays that we had so obviously they're going to get more shots that are in high danger areas you know you got four guys pressed together in a box on the penalty kill but yeah um, that just means he saved. Um, that's a one point negative one point six goals saved above re- replacement, which is just a really good start to the season for Sway. And um, yeah, that as far as I'm concerned, he was a was a factor in winning this game, if not the biggest factor. Um, you know, obviously Jake DeBrus' goal sealed the deal. You know, they didn't get that many high quality chances after that. We kind of locked them up, and then Marshawn with the empty netter to end it, but. Uh, overall, I think it was Sway's play. So if if it was on me, I would have given Sway the first star. I didn't see who got the first star or anything, because obviously it wasn't at the fucking game. But, um, yeah. Good on Swayman. Great start. I think he's getting the start tonight. Um, today's Wednesday against the Flyers. So it should be exciting to see him again. You know, we're on the road against the Flyers. He's got, you know, two Hall of Famers, Biz and Wayne Gretzky in the <laughs> TNT booth. <laughs> Should be really fun. Uh, they were a mess uh, last week for um, the, I think it was a Rangers Capitals game that they did, but it was fun. You know, I love it way better than the NBC um, Wednesday night hockey. Yeah. So um, let's see. Wrapping up uh, the Bruins versus the Stars game. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, that's right. The defense through 18 minutes of the first game only allowed one shot. However, there was. Joe Pavelski did hit a post during that time. I don't think he was scoring on that shot, though. I don't think he missed an open net. I think Sway had it covered pretty well. It was the outside of a post. <clears throat> um, oh, and, you know, over six on the PK, you know, that's a bright spot because, you know, talking about the power play, not so bright. However, the PK, over six, you know, you got Coyle and Nosek looked really good as a pairing. You know, obviously, we got Marshawn and Bergeron. You know, that's just going to be a common thing. We we almost had more chances with Marshawn and Bergeron out there. Marshawn had, like, a, almost a full-on breakaway again on the PK. Um, on a great feed for Bergeron. But, like, that's a that's going to be a constant. <laughs> you know, there's, there's almost no need to talk about how great they are together on the PK. It's been so many years now. But Coyle and Nosek, on the other hand, you know, Nosek seems to be slotting in for that Corrali role. And Corrali's other role seems to be switching around. <clears throat> oh, there's my fridge. Unplug it. Sorry, guys. <clears throat> I don't want that background noise in this studio, which is just my bedroom. Um, alrighty, yeah, but like I said, Corral, that Corralio has been slotted in really well from Thomas Nosek, and Thomas Nosek was really good, I thought, on the fourth line. The fourth line didn't make that many waves. Frederick was okay. I thought he looked a little, you know... A little slower. He got he got a couple scraps in, but like as far as like the actual gameplay, I didn't think Frederick was playing that well. <clears throat> from my eyes, he looked a little slow out there. But Thomas Nosek looked great as that centerman. Um, and man, on the po- penalty kill, he can hustle. I like Coyle there too, but one thing about Coyle is he's you know, I think he's a little inexperienced on the PK. He wasn't on that other unit with Corrali. I want to say. Um, Who's with Corrali on that uh, second PK last year? Maybe it was Coyle. I don't know. I could be confused. But um, either way, 0 for 6 on the penalty kill. That's really good. That's a good sign that, um, you know, no 6 filling that role in pretty well. Um, closing thoughts. Closing thoughts. I think I said that like five minutes ago. Uh, Sw- uh, Swayman, 
Did have a uh, breakaway denying save. However, McAvoy got a penalty for hooking on it. Once again, a terrible call. Just touched him with the stick. I mean, it's whatever. If you're if you're calling a penalty on a breakaway that isn't a penalty shot, i.e. Marshawn's goal, uh, then it shouldn't be a penalty. That's just obviously the ref fucked that up because it was, he touched him with the hip. Clearly, it wasn't impeding him enough to give him the penalty shot. So then, why are you calling it a penalty at all? You know, just my just my two cents on the issue. Um, the yeah. And also, I didn't talk about the Marshawn goal. Marshawn goal, as we all saw, it was a great, you know, defensive play by him to turn around and, you know, anticipate that pass across the middle. He kind of just had his back to the play and then turned towards the middle. And it was like, you know, almost seemed like he tricked the defender into thinking he was going to turn one way and then the other. Just picked it straight off and came around with speed through that blue line, and it was over. And, you know, clear penalty. Um, and he picked up his second goal. He's he's starting right off like he left it last year. He was amazing in the playoffs, amazing all year last year. And, of course, he picked up the empty net because he's an empty net king. Um, Yeah, and as far as breakaways go the other way, Swayman denied Glenn Denning on a breakaway. It was, um, like I just said, you know, McAvoy got the penalty on it, but it was a great save. Nonetheless, still counted. Um, Yeah, and besides that, you know, overall, good game. Uh, moving right along. Right along to um, quick quickly right along to the Flyers tonight. Only a five day break in between games. Not ridiculous at all. Not ridiculous at all that we're gonna have to play fifteen games in twenty eight days in April when we probably have no players left. Um, yeah. So you know tonight we got oh oh that's right that's right we got Swayman and that again versus former Bruin Martin Jones. Five day Bruin from I think 2015. He was on our team for five days and then he got traded to the Sharkies. Nonetheless, they won't start Carter Hart against us, sadly. Um, Carter Hart did have that ridiculous save that I saw on Chicklet's um, Twitter account. But also, Carter Hart sucks. So, you know, this honestly might be bad for us. I think <laughs> Martin Jones is also coming off terrible year too but you know we'll see i think martin jones is overall more skillful than carter hart carter hart oh no way no way i would have loved to play carter hart tonight it's all good though the flyers are 1-0-1 and coming off a win uh, a win yes against the seattle kraken who suck uh turns out um the kraken have only one win in their five games um they beat them six to one i believe too it was a fucking beat down um, and their loss to the Nucks was in a shootout. It was like 5-4 or something. So the Flyers the Flyers have been scoring. This is going to be a high-powered offense coming in, um, which is not something you usually say about the Flyers. So we'll see if it's just, you know, them playing two, like, shitty West Coast opponents. Um, yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to that tonight. And moving along, we got the Bees against the Buffalo Sabres. The Wagon... Jesus Christ, what is up with the fucking Sabres? They are 3-0. I can't even, like, name a player besides Tyler. Well, is Tyler still on the team? No. Who's the guy with the terrible contract, too? Um, I have no idea. I, I, I can't even remember for the life of me. Now, let's check it out. Let's see here. Good radio right here. I'm going to go look up the Buffalo Sabres on my MacBook Air, so it should only take about five minutes to load, and I already have ESPN out. Um, also, the Canadians are 0-4, so the Bruins are still ahead of them in the division, and we have played three games less than them. So that should be fun, too. 
Um, God, I can't wait to play the Canadians again. I think they have full capacity now, and I've, um, which saddens me because they weren't supposed to have full capacity. However, I saw the stats today, and they have only filled 76% of their home game so far. And the top comment was, uh, the Montreal is not sustainable to host a hockey team, professional hockey team. They should split half their games at Mexico City. It's fucking hilarious. Credit to whoever said that on Twitter. I don't remember. But credit to them. Um, yeah, so the Sabres, they have wins against the Canadians, the Yotes, the Canucks. Okay, so this not the knowledge starting to make sense. <laughs> Uh, coming off a 5-2 win against the Canucks. I know Jay Fresh was saying, like, oh, yeah, they outplayed their opponents. But, you know, how hard is it to outplay the Vancouver Canucks or the Arizona Coyotes? The Coyotes and the uh, Kraken are some of the worst teams. Or was it Kraken? No, I'm wrong. Some of the worst teams that they've played. What am I thinking here? The Canadians, I'm a dumbass. Yeah, Canadians are on four. They might just never win again. Actually, I'll just spit it out here. They're, they're just never going to win again. Wow, full capacity is in uh, Buffalo, too. We should expect a raucous environment. Actually, is it in Boston? Also, for that game, we have Olmark uh, playing his former team, which should be fun. Uh, is Olmark, do you think? Hopefully, it's in Buffalo. We get a little tribute. Nope. Oh, it is in Buffalo. Tribute video for Linus Olmark, question mark, after they offered him a contract. For more money than we did, and you picked our contract because Buffalo sucks. Oh, that's actually not good. That's not good for us, actually. They'll have something to play for. Jeff Skinner is who I was thinking of. Oh, my gosh. And Colin Miller's on that team. That's right. Man, they they are a terrible team. Do they still have Dolan? Like, I'm looking at the team that we're playing on Friday, by the way, and we're fucking playing a game tonight. Let's check out Philly. Let's check out Philly. Um, see if their roster is deep. I haven't even looked at like any other teams. I don't think they signed anyone that I know of. Maybe they did, and maybe I'm just sounding like an idiot right now. Gosh. That Metropolitan Division is going to be annoying this year. Metropolitan Division, sorry. I've been watching too much Megamind. Um, Joel Farabee leads the team with four points. Good shit, Joel Farabee. Wet Jeans podcast listener. Cam Atkinson, that's eh, overrated. Keith Yandel's good. Um, I would have liked Keith Yandel. But, uh, did they sign him? I think they might have signed him, actually. Derek Broussard, wow. I love Clark Drew still on there. And Travis Konechny still on there, yep. See, oh, Ryan Ellis played fucking... He's been averaging 25 minutes per game. And even Provorov, obviously, is going to be averaging over 27. Which I don't mind at all. I think even Pro- Ivan Provorov is, you know. I mean, he's good, but he's he's one way. He's not a two-way at all. He's, and he, I, I would say he's not even locked down. And JVR is still playing 13 minutes a game. Well, that's good for us, too. Um, he's fucking sucks at this point. Anyways, these ramblings. These ramblings bring the end of... The hockey discussion. And I think I'll give my two cents on the Sockies. Well, I've been paying attention to. The Boston Red Sox are 2-2 two and two in the series. Or tied 2-2 two to two in the series against the Houston Astros. And I, I'm starting to think I might be a bad luck charm for the Sox. Because I've watched 
four. No, I've actually I've watched two full games where they won. It's just I turned the TV on last night. I got home from work at like eleven ish, and turned the TV on. It's tied two two. I'm like, okay, this is cool. And then I just watched them give up seven runs in the top of the ninth, and it was over. But they still they still got those weird MLB rules, so they're still playing in Boston tonight. Um, that should be fun. I don't think I'll be able to watch it because I'll be on the Bruin. Oh, no, it's at 5. Yeah, I'll probably be able to watch this. That's cool. Um, yeah. My take on baseball, um, the Sox, they just got to you know keep on hitting grand slams. I think that, that's an effective strategy. Grand slams, home runs. They've hit a fucking sh- three grand slams in this series so far. That, that it's been it's been a good series for the bats in Boston. Um, not so much the pitching, but Chris Sale's going tonight, so you know maybe they'll win. My picks for tonight are the douchebag parlay. I got the Sox money line parlay with the Bruins money line, and then I also have the back Dave thing on the Barstool Sportsbook, which is. I think the douchebaggiest parlay, it should be called, because it's just the same thing as the douchebag parlay with the Celtics as well. Ticks playing tonight. Um, the Ticks are going to win the NBA championship. Actually, no, they're not, unless they uh, get Evan Fournier back. Greatest uh, French basketball player of all time. And that about does it for the Beast Coast Radio podcast. This has been Beast Coast Radio number three. Um... And uh, my girlfriend Liv wanted to shout out, so Liv, uh, if you're still listening, which I know you're not, um, shout out. Um, anyways, that does the podcast. Um, thank you all, Beast Coasters. Uh, love you guys, and uh, I'll be back with it. I'll, I'll check in on you next week. Love you guys.